equally as important as chasing that new, really sexy, exciting business or brand that you want to work with who does something really well and you think, oh, I can amplify what they're doing now. G'day, I'm Lockie and welcome to D2C Slingshot, a podcast where we interview brand founders and industry experts to help you out on your own journey. And I hope you enjoyed this episode. Yeah, so what book are you reading? Uh, it's just the Daily Stoic. So this is a book that you do meditations per day, which is all about Stoic philosophy. So it goes through what ancient Stoics have said in the time and then it kind of gives a little annotation as to what that means and relates to, to today's world. Right, yeah. And you, how long have you been reading that for? Like how far through are you? So you read a page a day. So it'd yep. be today's uh, 5th of May, read it every day. And I've been reading that for the last two years. Oh, really? Yeah. And you've found it helpful, obviously. I would say when I reflect on myself compared to how I was a few years ago, it's made me more grounded and as kind of philosophical as it says, connected to myself and just calmer. Yeah, I, I find that helps just reflection throughout the day, like just get up and walk away from the computer. Maybe like a graphic isn't uploading to Facebook how you wanted it to or whatever, just stepping away for like even five minutes <laughs> can make a world of difference. Just do some breathing or whatever. Uh, like sometimes just sitting in front of your computer, like people think you just do nothing all day but you do find yourself in stressful situations and then you find yourself like breathing heavily or whatever mm -hmm. and then yeah just taking a step away to just realize what's going on around the world maybe even just looking around at your room it's like nothing else is going on right now I'm okay and I think on that most situations aren't even half as big or bad as we think they are most of it is what we think in our head and as you said going away taking some time to take a deep breath and actually thinking this isn't that serious. <laughs> yeah. And like, even with like clients coming to you at like seven o'clock at night or whatever, most of those situations can be solved in the morning, but you end up like stressing about it overnight. But like in reality, nobody even respects a reply at seven o'clock at night. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. And it's also respecting yourself and those time boundaries. Yeah. So talking about time boundaries, obviously you're doing a lot of travel while managing your agency at the moment. Can you tell us a bit about what you've done over the last six months, how you've been able to manage your agency while traveling abroad? So I've been really fortunate to visit amazing countries like your homeland, Australia, New Zealand, a few countries in Asia. And overall, I would say there's a bit of a misconception between being nomadic, going abroad and traveling. And if you really want to respect your business and respect the people who pay you monthly to do work for them, then you have to put in the time. So it's been amazing. I've seen the most incredible things and places that I could ever manage, ever imagine and places that I've dreamt of going to years ago. And the plan was to actually go traveling in April 2020. Obviously, COVID oh, happened, so <laughs> that had to be delayed and then delayed again. And then the plan was to just say, hey, let's just go. So overall, the things that I've seen have been amazing and places that I'll never forget. I would say that managing a business and working abroad does come with massive challenges. For instance, most of our clients are based in the UK and the States. Therefore, yeah. there's a lot of late nights taking calls with the team making sure clients are happy, taking sales calls. That's probably the, uh, 
the biggest challenge. But now the time zones have got a bit better just with daylight saving. So it's not too bad. Oh, man. Australian time zone is the worst time zone on this planet, I reckon. Like, you get people late in the afternoon in the US and UK, they're like, you're getting up and they're going to sleep. Like, it's terrible. Yeah, <laughs> I hate yeah. it. It's but like the, the worst good. time zone. The weather's good, did you say? Yeah, it's starting to turn now in Victoria. It's starting to get a bit colder. I know you're just in Melbourne and now you've gone to all the sunny beaches in Perth. Yeah, yeah. Weather in Perth is beating Melbourne for sure. <laughs> yeah for sure so where else have you been you said southeast asia yeah so i spent some time in vietnam cambodia and indonesia for about five weeks and singapore yeah. right at the start of the trip yeah nice and what's been your favorite place you've visited so far new zealand for me has been the best of south island is just unparalleled to anywhere I've ever been to on this earth. Yeah, I traveled there a few years ago, well, probably going on like almost five years now, yeah. but I've been to the South Island. We only did the South Island. And yeah, just seeing some of those stories you'll take and I was like, oh, I've actually been there. And, where was yeah, your favorite some place in the South Island? Sorry? Where was your favorite place in the South Island? Uh, I like uh, Queenstown. Yeah, we did a lot of like, like did the bungee jumping and stuff there and like had a few nights out on the town with the boys. So yeah, I like, I like Queenstown. And did you do the luge? Uh, what's that? Oh, the Mario Kart down the mountain thing. No, nah, I didn't do that, unfortunately. And we didn't get to do the uh, jet boats either because it like it rained so heavy, like all the logs were washing down into the river. So it was too unsafe. Yeah, they were both good fun. The luge actually came off it and scraped all of my arm, all of my leg, just like bleeding everywhere. Couldn't even shower properly because it stings so much. Oh, really? You're probably going over the speed limit they advised anyway. No, I got knocked into. <laughs> you got knocked into. Well, it makes a good story anyway. It does, it does. Battle scars. Yeah, did you do any bungee jumping or anything like that? Um, no, so we did the jetty that you were referring to, which was good. Bungee jumping, no, but I think that was one thing that if I could go back in time and do, I would do if I had my time again. Um, yeah. Because we've gone so many places, we've tried to be a bit conservative on like bigger spend activities. We did go to Fox Glacier and do the glacier trip. So that was kind of what we were planning to do for a while. Yeah, yeah. And I suppose you don't want to do too many of those risky things being an agency owner as well. There's no one really to back you up as an agency owner to come in and take over your day job or whatever. So yeah, being a bit conservative there, is does that play on your mind at all? You've got insurance for that. <laughs> you gotta, what about all the clients that are going to miss you if you're in hospital for a few days or whatever? How do you think you would cope? Yeah, true. I think luckily I've got good people working with me. So they're there to to make sure that everything's going okay with them and i think it's just having good faith and trust in people yeah and i know you mentioned before we jump on this call that like you've put a lot more trust into your team especially since starting to travel like how's that experience been for you and what about some of the challenges that you faced for me and this is something that i mentioned i think you do really well with yourself with your business and client retention is communication i think I've been criminal at times for not being as communicative with people and just making sure that they're okay with everything and 
if there's anything that I can do to further help them and their relationship and their progress is key because it's very easy to think that someone's okay mentally and then just kind of giving a bit of space and it's just knowing when you're trying to be a leader and a business owner how much you should give on to people and equally when you should go in and think of how they're doing all together. Yeah, communication is a massive part of why I've been able to keep clients for over two years. It's just pretty much like like while they're not like asking questions and stuff like that, we're still sending them a weekly update, a monthly report, any articles that we find interesting that might help them out or any graphic design work or changes we're making on the ad account. We'll send that over to the client so they know like we have their best interests at heart and we're actually working towards their goals that they provided us as well. Like it's a, it's a partnership, right? So yeah, you've got to be in it together and like an agency can't succeed without the founder and the founder can't really succeed without the agency putting in the work either. That's how I see it. Yeah. I think, I think you've smashed it and nailed it on that point. Yeah. Cool. So how about some of the other challenges that you faced uh, traveling abroad while managing your agency? I'd say first and foremost is the element of communicating with your team. With Slack, you have the benefit of scheduling messages there, which is great. On top of that, I don't think there's anything else that is really a challenge. I think there's the challenge of being able to dedicate time at a specific block. So I do a lot of my work in the evenings. And if you listen to anyone like Andrew Huberman, he will tell you that working in the evenings is not as productive as working in the morning. So what I try to tend to do, depending on what I've got on during the day is to get a good focus work block on in the morning where I can really work on something intensely that doesn't require other people. And then anything that's based on just making sure people are okay and working with people I'll do in the block in the evening. So I think the challenge is just, managing the time zones as well if i was to say the biggest challenge there's been times where i've been going to bed at three four up to five o'clock in the morning working yeah. on stuff and i just upon reflection just realized that you can't do your best work at that time yeah i used to think that like i couldn't go to the gym in the mornings and i uh, like after 4 p.m no work done like i can't like can't do it uh but now i'm like no, get up at 5 a.m., go to the gym and smash out three hours of work before anybody even like thinks of opening their laptop or computer at 9 a.m. Like it's pretty much on a daily basis. I've just completed three, two, three hours of work and then I'll start receiving those Slack messages which starts getting you distracted, handling client questions and stuff like that. I find that focus period in the morning uh, to be really helpful and I've sort of changed that over the last six months to a year and really dialed in that habit and i think like the main reason i did it was to play golf in the afternoon so i had that time slot free uh but now like i will get up and go to work uh because i feel like it's so much more productive to get stuff done in the morning and then you can sort of just plan out your day from there so for you there then you mentioned six months to 12 months ago that changed what do you think was kind of the the mindset shift bar golf because golf is the outcome that you want but what was the thing that you said actually i need to make this change because it's you can wake up at five o'clock in the morning for a few days and say yeah but you've been disciplined to do that 
Yeah, so my girlfriend's actually a teacher and she wanted to go to the gym, but she's too tired to go to gym after work. So she was actually going in the morning and my fat, lazy ass was staying in bed to 7.30, 8 o'clock when she got home and I started feeling guilty. And then I also wanted to play golf in the afternoons as well. So I was like, well, I already get woken up at 5 o'clock in the morning. Why don't I just get my lazy ass out of bed? So she got me started, but now... I find the roles have reversed and I sort of motivate her to get out of bed now. That's what balance is. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, I definitely need a good partner uh, next to you in bed. <laughs> yeah, cool. So what about a typical day in the life for you? So you just run through, uh, obviously, you get a focus block done in the morning and then maybe you go do some experience during the day while you're traveling or and then go back to work at night or how does that look? Yeah, that's pretty much spot on. So... I would say I don't wake up half as early as you do, probably at around eight o'clock, but I go to bed later just managing stuff in the UK. So typically yeah. get up at around eight, eight thirty. I will then do something in the morning. So just think of something that I need to work on to build the business in the long run. And then after that, I'll look to go grab a coffee. I just love walking. So I'll just typically wherever I'm at, go for a walk where, where where we're at whether it be a city a town a village in the mountains explore where we're at go there for a good few hours look to get back at around four or five o'clock from there look to focus on what needs to be done for the business in a day-to-day capacity so i break my my time into client activities so the fulfillment team and then on the other side the sales and growth team so making sure everyone in both branches is okay figuring out what needs to be done there and then typically i'll be working till depending on the day 11 12 at night and then making sure everything's good on that front yeah i i personally hate that uk time zone but obviously you're from the uk you have existing clients from there their conversion rate is insane for us aussies anyway uh but then yeah that time zone's horrible i don't know what i'd be like working at 11 o'clock 2 a.m in the evening it is brutal. And one thing I've had to value over everything else is my sleep. So what I realized is there were times where I was going to bed late and it just wasn't sustainable to sleep for five hours a day. And you would, you, you know, when you've woken up from a, a night out with the boys and like, you've kind of got like a beer head and you can just feel your head just feels heavy and you know, you're not going to get much done that day. That's how I felt even without drinking most days waking up so i've just kind of stripped back and just said once it hits 12 no more work's getting done because i can't imagine the value of that work being that good you feel sluggish yeah. you don't feel good and it's just making sure go to bed at maybe 12 30 one o'clock wake up have a good seven hours sleep and then that way you can challenge the next day the way how you feel it deserves yeah, even when I drink on the weekends now, like I don't drink as often as what I used to when I was a bit younger, like I'm only 25 at the moment, but a few years ago, like I was living in the share house, people would be doing stuff on weekends, even weeknights, going out drinking, partying, and then you just wake up and now I sit, like when I drink on the weekend, like I'm affected definitely Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, it's just that brain fog that you get, maybe I'm getting old, I don't, I'm not sure, but I definitely notice it now, like I'm just sitting here at my computer going, I can't think 
lucky, luckily chat GPT has come around and can help me out a bit there. Uh, but yeah, I definitely notice it. Uh, so getting those good habits, uh, getting into routines and stuff like that definitely helps. But yeah, obviously I just work from my office, or this room, uh, but you're out and about traveling. So it must be so, so difficult to do that. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, so it probably took me a good couple of years to get a good routine in place in a, like a work from home ethic that you need as an entrepreneur to actually succeed. Like there's so much boring and monotonous tasks that need to be completed each and every day. Even if it's just a simple graphic for a client, it's like that still takes time, motivation, stuff like that. How have you found that balance between like being motivated to get out and do something compared to like going for a walk and seeing the beach or doing an activity or whatever? I think it comes down for me to gratitude, to know that I'm able to travel and see spectacular places in the world because I've worked hard previously and just being grateful for the work that I get to do. And I think being a business owner is a privilege and no one's forced you and I to, to start running agencies and we get to do this through hard work, but that's the main factor, but also delivering. So as corny as it sounds, I try to be grateful for each and every day that I get to do this because it can be pulled away quite quickly through a bad set of habits and knowing that each and every day we need to make those small differences and just make sure we're just turning up each day. And some days we're not going to wake up and feel our best self, but we just have to do it each day. And I would say I've only had one moment in this trip where I've opened up my laptop, started to do work and just been like, no, I can't do it. And yeah. that happened once a few weeks ago. And I just slogged through it. And it's not about turning around and being like, I don't feel like working today. I'm not going to work today. Just make sure you do it. Like the quality might not be there or your will to do it might not be there, but just showing up, getting it done and just saying, fine, that's it. And then again, coming down and I sound like a sleep nerd now, but just coming down and just going and saying, I've done my work. That's it. I'll just kick back, maybe watch something on the screen quickly or do some meditation or just go for a walk and then go back to it. And it's just having that, that discipline to say, no, I don't need to go out today or I'm going to focus on what's the priority for me. Yeah. Before I got started in digital marketing, as you said, nobody forced us to do this, but what sort of forced me into working for myself was I hated the job that I had. So on my real bad days, or even if I'm just driving around town or whatever, and I see a construction site, I'm like, thank fuck I'm not doing that. I hated that. So every time like I see myself like getting down or whatever, or I don't want to do uh, like this piece of content for the agency or whatever, then I just remember I was like, I could be grinding concrete right now. And there's so many people out there that are worse off. Uh, so yeah, as you said, it is a privilege to be doing what we are doing. Well, on that fear is the biggest motivator. We're more fearful of losing a thousand dollars as opposed to making a thousand dollars and for you it's which is the same for me I, I worked in the city i've done worked on building sites as well but it's the fear of going back to where you were at before is a better guiding factor than saying making x amount of money in the long run 
Yeah, for sure. And yeah, it's always good to reflect, I feel. So yeah, that is good. Now, jumping over into, say, your day-to-day client accounts and that sort of thing, you mentioned your sales calls before. What are some of the biggest uh, mistakes you see clients making when you're auditing an account or a new brand comes to you and say, hey, where am I going wrong? The biggest mistake that I see is people not tracking their numbers effectively. So you and I probably use you more so than I understand the key metrics to look at in a funnel. So whenever we're looking to work with a new client is understanding if they know their numbers. And we always say, you can't measure what you can't track track, and you can't track what you can't measure. So it's looking at that, understanding where the bottleneck is in the funnel. And I think quite often, I've used this analogy before, but you look at someone in the gym, if someone wants to learn how to deadlift effectively, they can't just go up in weight and deadlift more ways. They need to focus on their form, their technique, their stance, their breathing. There's so many elements that need to essentially be audited and examined before they do that activity. So we want to break down and look at all of these key metrics. And you can break it down into branches such as raw numbers and then looking at the creatives and then looking at the website bringing this all together, the offer and figuring out what is missing. So using an Excel sheet and breaking these down in a sequential fashion to figure out what's being done well, what isn't being done wrong and thinking of what lever to pull next in order to getting those results. Yeah, and I think the benefit to working with an agency is building that long-term partnership. Obviously, an agency might come in and generate you success in the first week, right? But it's not just as simple as changing some text on a creative. That isn't going to really move the needle and might spike your results in the short term. But over the long term, you need to be focusing on those nitty-gritty details, like you said, like focusing on the hook of a video, focusing on the hold rate for a video, focusing on the click rate for a video. Like most people wouldn't even take it to step two right so yeah breaking down those numbers actually understanding your numbers and being able to analyze where the funnel is breaking down yeah i definitely agree with that yeah i think a step further to that is knowing how to relay that message and communication back to the client so you don't overwhelm them we've been criminal doing this before where we found the bottleneck and we just overwhelm the client and they're like well you're the painkiller here you're here to solve it for us and it's saying to them okay we've examined a, B, and C problems, and this is how we're going to fix it for you. And we just need this little bit of input from you to make it happen. And they just turn around and love you for it. Yeah, I've probably been guilty of that as well. Like we audit, say, a website and the conversion rate's like a 1.2% and we give them all these ideas, but that isn't going to happen overnight. That's going to take 6, 12 months to even fix, right? (laughs) It's like websites, I swear they always get delayed, those projects, but like just going to the clients with um, some problems, but then also trying to provide solutions as well is definitely beneficial. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Yeah, cool. So what about some of the unexpected experience or benefits you've had while traveling and running an agency? Oh, that's a really good question. Like what, what's been the worst bit that you didn't expect? Of running an agency? Oh, of traveling and running an agency, yeah. 
it's like obviously online it looks like you go to all these beautiful places and beaches and the gurus sell the lambos and stuff like that while they're traveling but obviously that's a um a distant reality for most people probably uh but you're in a fortunate position where you're actually traveling and running agency so yeah what are some of those uh like reality versus sort of the expectation the biggest challenge that I alluded to earlier is the time zones. So it's, you, you can make out you're this blase, um, super uh, lucky and fortunate guy who's going around and doing all these things. But the reality is, is that it's a slog. There's a lot of work that goes in till stupid o'clock in the morning and you find yourself getting anxious at times that you're, you're staying up till late and a little niggle isn't being fixed and having a philosophy of not finishing until like not finishing when you're tired, finishing when you're done is what I try to live by. So I just will not go to sleep until if I've started a project, the book gets closed when you finished work. That is by far the biggest challenge. So anyone who's looking to live nomadically and travel, picking time zones is very important and just, actually taking responsibility and ownership for what you're doing. I've had two people message me while I've been traveling saying, Oh, um, I want to go work abroad. I want to go live nomadically. It looks so cool. And yeah, it is cool. But I think the part of being responsible and taking ownership of what you're doing is just making sure you get everything done without any excuses. Yeah, and uh, I guess that's something not people don't even think about is time zones. Everyone's just like, yeah, I'll be able to travel and work from my laptop. But sometimes clients like want to report like in the next hour or so, and maybe you're sleeping because you're in a different time zone now. And then there's that uh, expectation disconnect and stuff like that. So have you lost any clients because of your travels? No, I think one thing I massively pride myself on is communication and transparency. So. When a client starts working with us, we say to them, same day replies, latest, you'll get a reply within 24 hours. We've had one or two clients who've said, uh, like, hey, is like anyone here, so to speak? And it's just kind of setting those boundaries to say, no, this is how our policy works. The same way, the way how big corporations, like I've worked in banks before, they've got very strict policies that people adhere to and Ultimately, if you don't like them, then we're not the agency for you. We're, yeah. we're not getting paid by the hour. We're here to deliver a service, deliver value. And this is our process. If you don't want to adhere to it, then that's fine. We need to have respect in what we're doing so we can systemize and make sure that each client is getting the same and valued service delivery to what they're paying for. Yeah, that makes sense. And I suppose I'm probably a bit guilty because I sit in front of my computer all day and I probably reply to clients a bit too quickly. That gets a disconnect between their expectations and then they go to say, I don't know, late or support or whatever. And there's a 48 hour wait or something like that. It's like, or even on the weekend, I tried to renew my license because it's expired because uh, I don't really drive anywhere anymore. So I just sort of hasn't been on the top of my to-do list, but then I went to ring them on the weekend, but they're fucking closed. <laughs> so yeah, just, yeah, just setting those expectations, I think is really valuable. And yes, I think that would help client retention as well, which is something I know you're focusing on. Yeah. Yeah. I think looking at a business 
there's a few ways to grow your business. You can either go out and sell to new people, you can sell more to your clients, or you can just hold them for longer. And I think a lot of what we see within the agency space and just businesses in general, everyone just thinks about more, just get more clients, but you could literally make the same amount of money if you double the value of the client that you have, or you double the time that you've held or are holding that client for. And I think that's really, really important to learn. And I think maturity in business is learning that those other KPIs, those other metrics are equally as important as chasing that new, really sexy, exciting business or brand that you want to work with, who does something really well. And you think, oh, I can amplify what they're doing there. Yeah, I think, yeah, I'm definitely guilty of putting a lot more emphasis on retention rather than trying to attract new clients because there's so much noise in the market now, especially compared to when you and I started, like it was easy to sign clients. You could go to a business and say, oh, you don't have the Facebook pixel installed, pay me X amount and we'll get this shit up and running. And it used to be easy to sign clients, but now a lot of brands have been burnt in the past. So once you do get a client on board, it's extremely important that you deliver good results and yeah, just hold them long-term to increase that client value. The streets will never forget how easy it was to audit an account. You'd go on someone's website and say, oh, well, you haven't got a pixel and a pixel is this. Like, everyone <laughs> and their mum knows what a pixel is now. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, that used to be the dream and I wish I had the work ethic I have now. Back then, I'd be so much richer, for sure. Yeah, but you were waking up at 10 o'clock and you were drinking in the week. So, hey, you got into a <laughs> Yeah, true, true, true. Yeah, cool. So um, what about some of you, like managing client results? So obviously you're traveling like, as, yeah, did like the clients just look at you and say, hey, maybe he's not working as much or the client's just happy with the value that your service provides and that's why they're staying on? Well, we've got a team and they're on the ball with that. And we'll always make sure we're sending weekly looms to go over what's going on and telling them what's happening. So in our weekly looms, we'll look at what's been done in the last week results and then what we're doing for the next week so it's really a reflection proactive action plan so whether good or bad this is what's happened we're looking to do whatever's needed in order to just increase that and it's just having that growth mindset of improving by one percent every day every week and i don't have clients on say social media or i don't make it a point and ultimately if a client wants to go out and sleep with strippers or sniff cocaine on the weekend like that's their business it's got nothing to do with me that's the same as my team so whatever i do with my time is no one's business bar my own that's that's kind of my thinking yeah yeah nice i like that so yeah obviously clients can go away like i just had a client go to japan didn't even know and i was like cool everything's getting done i didn't need anything from you you didn't need like any questions answered from me so yeah it's all good and yeah i guess it comes back to setting those expectations and just being open and transparent i guess yeah i mean i've had no clients i had a client about a year ago that we were working with and he said oh if you move to australia then i wouldn't work with an agency there now he lives in bali and i just think (laughs) at the end of the day i've set up to run my own business so ultimately i don't need to be questioned or dear to anyone. As long as we're doing our job, then I think they're setting that expectation, respect and boundary that no matter what I do in my personal life, as long as it doesn't affect your business, it's none of their business. And equally, vice versa, it's the same. 
Yeah, I think delivering on promises that you make and delivering exceptional results, nobody's going to have an issue. They're paying you to provide a valuable service. And if that's what you're delivering, then yeah, everyone's going to be happy. Mm-hmm. And I mean, your testament to that, as am I, we both won an Athlon Award last year for delivering exceptional results. So that speaks volumes to what we're doing for our clients. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So what about some advice you have for somebody possibly looking to be a travel planner? Some advice, I would say you have to really map out and plan what you're doing down to a T to an extent, but ensuring that you've got a budget and you've got, similar to when you're building a house, a 20% kitty of, oh, well, what if I spend here? Um, I think trying to have a work, like work-life balance is far more important when you're traveling and maybe setting your expectations of maybe I'm not going to work as many hours on what I'm looking for. So I don't know, say you're a travelpreneur, as they call it, um, I don't personally like the term, but hey, <laughs> um, if you've got five clients, being reasonable with expectations, like realistically, you're not going to grow your business by 3x in the next year if yeah. you're traveling and you haven't got processes in place. And I think having the trust in people to make sure you've delegated certain responsibilities effectively is key to the success of how you want to travel. So just there's a, there's a concept called the Tocqueville, Tocqueville paradox, and it looks at where expectations meet reality. And quite often the expectations we have are up here and reality is here. And it's just making sure there's that equilibrium between the two. And that's where you're in that happy medium. Yeah, cool. Terrific advice. I think, yeah, expectations, it comes to like it's the underlying factor to everything. Like if you think you've got to go travel the world and grow your business by a million bucks a year or whatever, it's probably unlikely or a million dollars a month. Um, yeah, it's, it's unlikely. And yeah, obviously you're traveling to create that work-life balance rather than say, for me, just sitting in this room and grinding all day. Uh, so yeah, there's a bit of a mind sh- shift mindset shift needed I think as well an easy way to look at it is like analogies in the gym and fitness realistically if you're it's coming into winter most guys are looking to bulk up it's very hard to bulk up and have abs at the same time so it's thinking figuring out what you're looking to have in the short term everyone wants to ideally have the best body make the most amount of money see as many places they can go to and eat at wherever they can and ultimately i think you just need to look at where you need to compromise and where things aren't going to grow as much in that short term and just actually accepting and being grateful for what's happening that is going well because it's easy to look at oh i'm not doing enough here or i haven't got enough here and just actually saying well i have enough here yeah i suppose that comes back to what you were saying earlier and uh, like something that comes to my head is just like, look at the richest man in the world, Elon Musk, right? He doesn't have the perfect body because he's sitting in his room grinding. And then obviously he set that expectations. He's not going to be the fittest bloke going around, but his back pocket's going to be the fattest in the world. So <laughs> there we are. Yeah. yeah. I don't know if you saw those pictures circulating around online. Did you? Uh, of what? of Elon Musk at the beach or something like that, or maybe it was Jeff Bezos. It was one of them, and everyone was like, oh, he looks like a wrinkly old turtle. Uh, 
Well, it definitely wasn't Jeff Bezos because that, that guy looks like <laughs> yeah, he's a, been working on it, hasn't he? It was Stallion. He's been taking some yeah. CRT and all that good stuff. Um, I'll, 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 I'll go find the photo and I'll send it to you after. <laughs> okay, all right. Yeah. Obviously, speaking of Elon Musk and uh, open AI and AIs and stuff like that, he was involved in it and it's sort of taken the world by storm at the moment, especially the marketing space. Mm-hmm. I think that's almost been the industry that's been most heavily affected at the moment. Um, like I speak to some of my friends and they haven't even signed into ChatGPT yet. Mm-hmm. So like, how have you seen that trend and like, how do you see that moving over, say, the next three to five years? That's a really interesting question. So we've taken to... Yeah, question without notice, sorry. <laughs> uh, we, we've taken to ChatGPT like a duck to water. Like I remember we got on ChatGPT back in November and it was at the point where loads of people couldn't sign into it. And I remember I showed the team and they were like, like they were mind blown. And I think that there was something really interesting that I, I read the other day that said the founder of AI said that he wishes he never created it, which was a really interesting paradox to think yeah, about. Just, so I, he just resigned. That's it. So I think AI could be the biggest curse to society if used poorly. And there's, there's loads of talks about how uh, there could be an arms race for AI and how to use it to, to destroy other countries and whatever. And that's kind of like a conversation, I think, way past my knowledge and pay grade. I think overall, it is really a case of creative destruction. So the people who don't adapt to AI and technology will be left behind. And the businesses, agencies that have a first mover advantage and really look to adopt it and utilize it will be the ones who will benefit in the long run. We're using it in near enough everything we're doing. We're looking at, we put ad copy into chat GPT and say, Hey, give us three variations of this. Or we look at a landing page and we look to find the competitors of said business and pull that in together. So for me, this is the unfair advantage that most businesses have in the next three to five years. And there's always a wave of what's coming along and figuring out how that can be used to really streamline and get the best results for businesses. So I'm very pro it. I don't know all of the the negatives and disadvantages as to what it can bring. So I think you need to ride out what you can, where you have that advantage or else the top movers in your industry are just going to use it and you're going to get left behind. Yeah. I think at the moment until it gets banned, it's something that you have to use. And I believe like, I think it's like not even 10% of internet users have logged on to chat GPT yet. So uh, like it's very, very early. And like, if you're not using it as a brand owner or an agency owner at the moment, and you haven't even just spent an hour just asking chat GPT questions, you're losing out because we're using it every single day. You're using it every single day. A lot of other agencies and e-commerce brands are using it every single day, even for like SEO blogs, um, product descriptions, everything like that. Even if you're having a down day, like we were saying before, you can go to chat GPT and start like, just generating inspiration from the ideas that ChatGPT gives you. Uh, so, yeah, I think it's something that we need to use until it gets banned or it takes over the world and kills us all. Well, ChatGPT <laughs> is just scratching the surface. Like yep. there's all of the reports of like ChatGPT free compared to four and 
how ChatGPT4 will pass a bar exam better than ChatGPT3. But then you've got um, AutoGPT and then all of these other tools that can uh, code and create Python scripts for you and can create calculations. And uh, I even saw a video the other day, it was from Jordan, Jordan Platten, where he essentially wrote personalized lines just through the software. So ChatGPT, yeah, it's great for questions and answers. And it's basically a condensed version of Google that will uh, iterate and work on all the questions you might be searching for. But then you look at all of the other tools out there, which I don't even know the full effects of. I probably know 0.1% of the tools out there. So if you spend a good day researching and figuring out what could be leveraged, I've had my mind blown so many times since November. Yeah. Yeah, I, th- I keep seeing Twitter threads like these are 1,001 AIs you aren't using yet. <laughs> so, yeah, they're just coming out left, right and center. And yeah, you definitely can't keep up. But uh, yeah, I think it's worth definitely spending a day just researching, playing around. Uh, yeah, it's just going to blow your mind. And you're obviously going to put that into action straight mm-hmm. away once you see the power of it. Nice. Yeah, cool. Um yeah, I I don't really have anything else on the shed at the moment. Um, yeah, do you have you had any questions come to your head? I guess one question to you is kind of what we alluded to. What made you want to start more short form content, and what's given you the inspiration for doing these podcast style talks? Uh, yeah, so short form content, obviously, I've seen people going viral on TikTok and, and stuff like that. So yeah, just getting on that bandwagon and leveraging it, I think super important to once a new platform comes up and you see people generating success, and you can replicate that yourself, even though I haven't gone viral yet. But just learning about it, just learning about it and trying to take advantage of these new platforms like TikTok might be banned next month, who fucking knows. Uh, so just leveraging like new technologies while you can or a platform that's hot while you can and trying new marketing strategies because obviously email people are getting spammed. Uh, like you, t- you speak to e-commerce owners on calls and they go, yeah, I get 10 a day, I get 20 a day and it's all the same. So just trying to differentiate myself and getting my face out there and my personality out there to try to connect with business owners and other agency owners uh, just so they can get a bit more understanding and hopefully stand out from the crowd a bit because 95% of people aren't doing this sort of content. And the podcast has probably stemmed from the lazy in me as well. Like I could just sit here and have a conversation with you for an hour and get 15 clips out of it or whatever. Uh, so yeah, but I find like long form, like I consume long form and podcasts myself. So I was like, why not do it? And then my content output's going to be better and better again as well. Cause I wasn't seeing much traction, just me talking to a screen. I seen a good lift and some good feedback as well from having different guests and talking about different topics as well. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I think that's one thing we're, we're kind of taught to a higher level that we're always looking for that unfair advantage. So how we differentiate ourselves in the market. And as you said, if everyone is used to the, the red ocean tactic, like how many times do we hear that to send a good email, you have to say quick question name, like everyone knows <laughs> that outreach strategy. Like I, I can go through my email now and find five emails a week, at least where it says quick question, Joe. And then I'm like, I'm not even going to read it now because it's so saturated. 
And I think yeah. the, the real tacticians, the real strategists are thinking of how do they create that blue ocean, that blue ocean attractive model to get people in and show that they're different and a unique mechanism. Yeah, I think I look at all the successful businesses or agencies that are doing better than me at the moment, and they sort of all have that social media presence and their founder is usually speaking to the screen or at least showing off their team, like short form content and building that relationship with their audience. So yeah, I can't just go out and sign clients like I used to with the Loom video telling them they don't even have a pixel installed on their website. That doesn't work anymore. So being able to pivot within the business uh, yeah, I think it's pretty important. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that new mechanism. Yeah, so the podcast is going well. I haven't started uploading the long form yet, but uh, maybe we'll start doing that as well. Uh, not sure about how to go about it, but yeah, the short form is doing pretty well at the moment, I feel, and getting a bunch of good feedback from it. So. Well, there you have it. Unfortunately, this is the end of the episode, but if you're looking for more, be sure to find more episodes on the platform you're viewing on or head over to Instagram to find tons of valuable clips.